So yeah, hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks. I'm your host, film critic and journalist Carolyn Heinz. And this is the podcast slash YouTube channel where I talk to film creators from around the world about their work, the industry, and what inspires them. And so this is this is one of my interviews for the 2023 New York Asian Film Festival. And I'm joined by director Boy Kwang and actor Jason Ho to talk about their film Galang, which is I I thought it's a wild ride. <laughs> this film is no one is a hero. And like, no one is, there's, everyone is a hero. Everyone is a victim. Everyone is exploited and everyone is an exploiter. So I like, I kind of like how the film kind of touches on how like none of these characters are really like black and white, you know, like I love that they exist within the grades and it centers around this. Um, he's a pimp, first of all, and his name is, name is Fatty and he's played by Mark Lee and he it just has the worst night possible. <laughs> he has the absolute worst night possible where everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. And we're going to discuss this film because I always say I love films that I can't ever predict what's going to happen. And I had no clue which direction <laughs> this film was going to go in. I was just like, what is happening? What on earth? What's happening? So much is happening. And that's actually pretty good because that's the kind, especially for action films. I love action films like this. And it's not like super stylized. I like that you didn't make it like very hyper stylized. It's very gritty. It's very um, realistic. Like the fighting is very pick up whatever your hands touches and throw. So, which is actually my personal fight style. So, we begin first talking about that boy. I want to talk first about making this film as gritty as it is because I think for all of the characters, they encompass that whole as that whole visual look of the film, gritty and very realistic. And there's nothing polished about any of them. So talk about the aspect of the film first and why you chose that particular style of filming. Okay. Uh, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of a director like Johnny, uh, Johnny Toh. And um and he 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 does a lot of film that is is a new new noir kind of style. So I'm adopting uh, this visual for this film. Uh reason being I like the grittiness of the the high key. Uh, visuals and I purposely make uh, the entire floor wet whereby there's a reflection that is done. Um, it actually gives a very uh, it, it gives a look of how Geelang, Geelang is at night as well and it actually suits the the look of the, f- the film and the style basically or, and the genre of the film. So so that's the reason why I adopted uh, this look and actually because of budget constraint we shot in a very small camera using the Sony A7S mm. so uh, we actually make use of the quality of the camera and the and the grain of the camera to create this this look like. so this is one of the reason uh, is is a conscious effort that from the beginning when we are doing the storyboarding and the treatment we had a discussion and this is the direction that we are going with Mm. Yep. And um, so yeah, I'm actually really glad that Jason is here because though your character would be considered a minor character, I think is your character is the m- most surprising because of what happens at the end. I'm just like, <laughs> like the one that you never pay attention to is the one that you should always watch out for is something that you always say the quietest people are usually the most dangerous. And yeah. your character to me is just like, I wouldn't even call him a snake. I call him a mouse where like mice are very smart and they know how to find them their ways out of situations. And yeah. one of the things about this film is it like because um I've never been to Singapore, so I've never been to um to Geelong, but it kind of gave me the sense of a maze. 
you know and like all of these characters are like mice running through this maze like running in circles and trying to get away from whatever it is that's chasing them or whoever it is that's chasing them and and your character <laughs> your character red like he he's very unassuming but the thing about this film is as i said at the beginning you can't trust anyone in this film and like the way that boy films it is like when you think you know someone where you think you figured out the angle and you figured out who these characters are it like he he throws in a twist and a lot of that has to do with the fight um the filming style so i wanted you to ask you about as a performer like being in the space that he provides as a director and being in these scenes and like what we get to see off right but then also like being being able to stand back and watch how he films what are your impressions about the film from the um, perspective of an actor and then also as an observer like watching his filming uh, as an actor, I, I had fun. I had the freedom. You know, he gave me the freedom to to do uh, what I feel was was right the for design, it. Yeah. The design, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't restrict me. He mm-hmm. goes with the flow, and he says, "Don't just just deliver the message that you're supposed to deliver in this scene, and and just do it. Just just be natural. Mm-hmm. It that helps. You know, uh, as for a performer to be able to to deliver his lines and 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 be convincing." Uh, from an observer, I must say, this is really a very different film uh, in Singapore that I, I've never seen before mm. from uh, the way it's shot, the way we speak. Everyone mm. in the film, the way we, we speak is very real. And uh, it's really how Singaporeans, some Singaporeans speak, you know, uh, it's, it's really raw, it's rough, and we, we, just, we just go and we mix up our languages as well. So, in that sense, from an observer point of view, I, I feel that it's a very genuine uh, Singaporean style of, uh, of life, you know, mm-hmm. the way we speak, at least for the language it is. Yeah, because in Singapore, we have a few main races and uh, every one of us speak like three, four languages. And this is exactly how it is uh, in like Singapore on a day-to-day basis. Yes. So, uh, are we at, I attempt to make it as genuine as possible because a lot of time when we make film in singapore a lot of times oh either we make an english film or we make a mandarin film but a lot of time we we forgot that hey this is a singaporean film so it should be how it is from singapore so we, we, it's a it's a conscious effort yeah right and that ties into like what you said about the film itself um being like natural and just like going with the flow and as um you said jason like he he allowed you kind of like to as an actor to like go with the flow and like and like be comfortable in this uh, in the scene and that ties into the language because the thing that I, i'm always interested with especially like southeast asian languages and films is that um because of the his- the political history of these countries and like colonialism and imperialism like there's all of these like s- countries like singapore and like malaysia and thailand are very are like multi um, parts of what we would call multi multi parts of cultures and that's yep. very similar to the Caribbean where I'm from. I'm from Barbados and our first and only like main language is English. But we have what we call standard English, which is like what I'm speaking, but then also like our dialect. You know, like yep. if it was to speak in our dialect, it would be a completely different discussion happening here because like the, the language and the flow is different. And I appreciated that you made sure to include that into this film because this isn't a film about people in like the upper echelons of society. Like they're not bankers. They're not CEOs. They're not executives. They don't have to like, try to impress anyone you know like they're just being who they are and they're existing in this space this is their space and the language and the and the filming style ties into that because like there's a scene where um fatty tells um sheila he's like speak he's like why are you speaking to me english 
<laughs> like you know and she and because she, she's like he's like i'm not going to respond to you in english and it's not he doesn't speak english but he knows english but he's like telling her, if you're going to have this truly honest conversation and if you're going to threaten me threaten me in her in our tongue you know like speak to me on my level and i love that scene because it's a very small thing but i think also speaks a lot to the politics and the culture of singapore like you're saying like people are multilingual and like many people are polyglots you know but even right. when you speak like if you speak uh, singaporean mandarin or whatever they're still like dialects you know so like even when he's talking to her he's speaking in a completely she's speaking from because i know a little bit of mandarin but she's speaking in standard mandarin and he's still re- responding in kind of like a dialect yes. of mandarin yes. right so like you, you still get that um that uh perspective of his of of who he is as a character, but also who she is, because she's she wants to be a politician. You know, she's trying to keep it this veneer, and that all come, that's coming through in all of these um in these interactions. So, talk now about building the characters, because uh, as I said, none of these characters are heroes, but they're also not explicitly vi- victims, and they are victims. But when you realize, you know, you're like, you know, when you think, oh my gosh, oh this person is like completely in the clear, and then you're like, nope. I can't trust none of you, <laughs> right? So talk about building the characters and what you made them into. Like they're all basically not all. I would say about half of them are anti-heroes, basically. Yeah, because I would say um, Sheila in a, Sheila in a sense is a victim, but she's also a villain. You yeah. know, um, the character of Shangri-La, she's a victim, but she's also a villain in some sense. You know, she's doing what she can to me. But I will discuss the two of them in particular. I'm really fascinated by Sheila and Shangri-La. But talk about the dichotomy and the complexities of these characters that being existing in the great yep yep so so the film is called Geylang is uh is is about a place in uh, a red light district in uh, Singapore and actually when in the journey of making the film I actually went to interview uh the actual Pim and actually actually interviewed the actual uh prostitute as well and in fact uh, even the doctor's character there's this uh hospital there's this hospital clinic that actually provide assistance and medical assistance to uh street walkers and, and uh, illegal immigrants or or, or Im- illegal worker for, for them so and even uh, Celine's character there's actually a real organization that basically help uh, uh, sex worker it's called Project X uh. so all these are actually drawn from real in- inspiration and also at the same time when I was talking to all these uh, even Pims I realized that they all are like 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 anyone else it's not a one-dimensional thing every one of them have uh, even myself or you or whoever there's always a gray area it is it's never about yes right or wrong when things happen at that at, 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 that night you are pushed to the edge you you were flipped so this is something that i want to uh express as well no there's in this world there's no true 100 mm-hmm. uh good person or, or there's no 100% villain. It's just that you are put in a situation and this is how you you, you react to it. Yeah. So so this is something that uh, a conscious effort that uh, I wanted to put in uh, right from the beginning of the scripting process. Mm. Yeah. And for the character, um, Red, now talk about, um, I wanted, the reason why I, I want to talk about his character is not just because Jason is here, but as I mentioned, he's like the, as I said, I kind of likened him to like a mouse. And he's like the observer of the entire situation. So talk now about, so we, we have like, no one is ever exactly a hero villain, but talk about having have a, a, a character who works as an observer because he's watching all of these characters basically implode, you know, their lives imploding. He's standing back and he's standing back. And, I, and it's always fascinating to me in films where you have a character 
who is basically like an insert of the audience. You know, like mm. they're seeing they're seeing everything unfold the way we do. So talk about adding a character because you would because there are people who say, oh, but this character isn't necessary to the plot because he doesn't really do anything. But at the end, you realize he kind of does tie everything in a complete circle. You know, he he adds the moment you realize, wait. So this is all truly interconnected. And he's like the character that ties the bow at the end. I realized, you know what? He's probably the slickest out of the bunch. You know, he's the one that's going to survive to see another day, you know? <laughs> so talk about having a character Listen. like that. <laughs> you will live to see another day. I also the cowards live to see another day. <laughs> I was the winner, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you made it out on skate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why? And I would, why? And I explain why oh okay okay so for 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 jason's character um actually he's 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 a film he's an actor that i always use even in my earlier film uh he's also exactly the same name called red uh yeah and then and then uh why why he has this uh character inside uh i want to i want to make use of him to show the audiences that even a very very small character or a small action could actually turn the whole story around. Just like mm-hmm. what the whole story want to do, everybody there is no black and there's uh, no pure whiteness. But yeah, and actually he he acts as an eye for the politician, which is actually Celine's husband. So he actually also implied that hey, in Singapore, although we are very clean and a very legal society, but actually there's this underbelly world that that you are actually fully controlled by the politicians. So it's like um, Edwin, which is Celine's uh, husband, actually is like a civilian camera who, who, who understand and know what is happening the entire night. And he's actually like a spy to, to, to him. La. Yeah. So, so it's like I'm trying to intertwine different characters uh, uh, with each individual. And in this one whole night, what can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he actually summarized the entire uh, film. Yeah. Right, and you, and like we're like talking about what can go wrong will go wrong. Everything starts out with Fatty, and when at the beginning, I re- I remember I was thinking, okay, the the synopsis said it has to do with this girl going uh, missing, and he has to find this girl, and then it's I was like, where did I'm like, where's this gonna happen? Because it starts out with this it, this situ this situation with like a loan shark. And it just escalates, <laughs> and it escalates from there. And like, then again, this is I, I. This is one. I think those this script is actually very complex because there are scripts like this where every single action leads to another reaction. You know, like everything is a domino effect. Like every single thing, every single decision that each of these characters make ends up being interconnected to another decision that another character makes. You know, like there's no there's nothing that they do that doesn't that's not completely related to someone else mm-hmm. and um and in talking about everything that can go wrong <laughs> will go wrong um like fatty like i said he's a pimp and like usually he's the kind of character who'd be like i'm not supposed to feel any kind of sympathy for for someone like that because he had he he exploits women you know like he's using these he's using these women's desperation to make money for himself and um and he himself is but then you see that he takes care of his father who has dementia you know so like that's adding an element of humanity to him and you realize okay so maybe he's exploiting these girls because he has to look after his father and it's not that it's an excuse but it's you you're seeing like the reasoning for why he does the things that he does you know and um and then there is the character of Shangri-La she she again she's a victim she's being exploited by um fatty and by the men who come to her 
And then there's this doctor who just like is completely insane. I'm like, sir, like, what are you doing? And and like when he entered the scene, it kind of made me think of how there are these mostly and they're usually men like they will target um sex workers you know they'll target female sex workers and they'll take out whatever issues they have on society on these sex workers but i'd be like you bypass the men to get to the women you know like and i'm just like this is another example of that is like if you have a problem with sex working why you don't attack the men who exploit these women why you don't attack the pimps you mm. know why are you attacking the women so talk about that aspect of adding the 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 beginning the story discussing about the pimp as well as the prostitute and how you and why those two and why these particular characters in particular okay uh for for the character fatty um actually is loosely based on my own experience my dad has alzheimer's disease mm -hmm. so i actually built that uh, into his uh, character and at the same time as i mentioned uh, we were doing a lot of research speaking to a lot of pimps actually the pimps in Singapore, uh, do take good care of their girls, actually. Mm. In fact, like uh, um, every, every month, they will buy them dinner or when there's like Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year, they will have a, have a gathering. So, so it's actually like a, still a very humane relationship between the pin and, and um, Shang, Shangri-La. So I think I'm also trying to express an authenticness as well to the audiences. Uh, not that, you know, if you are pimp, means you are ruthless and you are fully exploiting. You also, some pimps also have their principles. Mm. Yeah. Also like Shangri-La, why she come here to become a sex worker? It's not because she wants to or she choose to, but circumstances uh, cause her to have to uh, be a sex worker. Uh, because the father is sick uh, mm -hmm. and, and this is also based on uh, research and it, it's, it's actually um, quite common uh, and, and most of the prostitutes in Singapore uh, comes from around the region and after speaking to them yeah that, that's the most of the case that they face uh, and also like Dr. Sun Dr. Sun uh, in the story was actually trying to save the her, 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 his daughter so how how he his connection with Shangri-La is because the the blood and 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 and, and, and matches, so so is all intertwined and all mm -hmm. interrelated within that nightlife. And then you know, as you know, you have seen the film Shangri-La has made use of Archie, which is the illegal mm -hmm. seller, and then the whole thing get uh get revealed. So it, it's like a, a a film that has many many layer, mm -hmm. and you got to watch until the probably close to the end to realize that. Hey, this is what is happening. Exactly. Nothing is as, as it seems. So now we, you just ended off talking about um, Shangri-La. So the thing is, I really want to talk about Shangri-La and Celine because these are two women where they have so much in common, but their end goals are completely different. So like both of these women have very traumatic ex um, experiences. You know, they've both been exploited physically and sexually by the men in their lives. And when you think like, okay, they're at the, they, they're about to get away, they can't. But then you realize that even Celine has her own ulterior motives. You know, she's, she can't, she, well, cause she has like, you mentioned the project, which is the project X and I'm Singapore, like her project is called the Inter project. And she's like looking after like sex workers, you know, and you're thinking, oh, this, she has this connection with, um, with Shangri-La because of this, like she wants to protect her. They realize, wait, no, not exactly. You know? Mm -hmm. So like, again, nothing is as it seems, but then um, Shangri-La also being a victim, she also has power. 
So I like that both of these women have power. It may not necessarily be power that, that mm -hmm. people would applaud, but it's still a form of power. And it's yes. still a form of them to be able to, to, I guess, have one over on the men in their life. So talk about building these two particular female characters and making them this complex. Because I, I love that I wasn't able to predict where their characters were going to go and their motivations. And I love that they're not completely... Um, to use the, the term from the film the angels they're not like complete angels so like talk about building these two female characters in particular okay uh, I, i'll start with uh shangri-la first um you may not understand but uh you know shangri-la is actually yeah. in the uh, oriental culture it actually represents uh paradise it's yeah. actually a very nice place in uh, china so when when we started the film we wanted to make like every character actually have their own paradise yeah. uh For example, uh, Doctor Sun, the paradise actually the love for the fam, but for the for her for his loved one, and then uh, Celine is the paradise is power, and then also Ajie uh, is money, and then uh, kinship is Shangri La, uh, and 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 uh, same thing for Fatty as well is to the care for the the father. So everybody have their own reason and and their own um, paradise. So these two female characters actually plays a very important uh, role in the film because they actually depict um, the weakest and the strongest spectrum of of this world in in Geylang especially. Mm -hmm. By the end of the day, actually, when you look at the film, the character actually flipped, and uh, the 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 one that's the weaker actually was the one who plot the entire thing, and the one that was the strongest is being taken as a victim. So it's a deliberate effort to uh, try to switch the role in the film, Yeah. Yeah, but in talking about power, the thing is, people like using um, Selena as an example. A lot of people think that in power comes freedom, but to me, power is is a way that you can confine yourself because you know there's like the old raps on oh, more money, more power, and you know like if you don't have the connections to handle the power, the power can consume you. You know, and I see Selena as an example of that. She thinks that she has. She's gaining so much power in betraying character, in betraying people like Shangri-La and like any other person that she would have betrayed. But she's yeah. kind of locked herself in a cage, you know? She's like, like, in order to maintain this power, she's putting herself in a situation where she knows that she has no power, you know? Yeah. So it's just a facade, you yeah. know? And like, and there's, and that's the thing about this world where we aspire so much for power. Like, power is, is, is a, it's a facade, like true power doesn't really come in oppressing other people. Like if you have to oppress people to feel tall, you know, like, yeah, like don't, you don't have real power. There's no meaning in it. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, I, and, for, and so for you, um, uh, uh, John, I want to talk now from your perspective as a performer of power, because as a, as a, as an actor, you have to be able to control the character that you're playing. You know, you can't let the, the character control. You can't let the character consume you. So like, not just for this film, but just as an actor in general, talk about your, uh, your perspective on power um, in society, but as well as a performer, because you have to command, as an actor, you have to make sure you command the space that you're in and that you command the character that you're playing, you know? Um, well, I'm not a super experienced actor. This is only my third film. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's the third one. It's the third one, and a couple of other other small projects. Uh, I think it is more of like how you are able to 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 control yourself and also to feel the character. Right. Mm. Uh, I mean, there are days where I I don't I I get certain projects that I don't feel like I feel it, and then mm. 
if that happens, then it's hard for me to 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 convey. So as long as you are able to feel it, then I think I can control it. And it's also about balancing um how much a director wants uh and how much you can give. I can give and how much I feel this is what is right for that character. It's a lot of thinking process and it, it also comes from a lot of experience. You know, I like looking at people wherever I go and, and I, I observe people and observe small little body language, a little actions that they do, the way they speak, the way they stand. And these are things over the years I've, I've, I've experienced, I've seen that I use and apply in my approach to, to my acting. Mm. You know, I, mm. I don't have a one way of doing it or a professional way of doing it, but it's just based, most, most of them are based on how, what I've experienced, what I've seen. And then I, I try to mix and match on my own, with my own approach. Mm. Yeah. So my, my style is more like a conversational and we actually discuss the, the character. Uh, if you're talking about whether uh, he has to manage my power and I have to tell him, you know, you got to do this, 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 this. I, I'm not the current director. I, I like to convince the, the actor and I like to listen to what the actor like or what the actor feel. And then in the end, we find a center point. Only that way, I feel that you can give the most uh, genuine performance. Yeah, so like like how I work with the rest of all my the rest of actors is all the same. I do like a one to one workshop. We discuss about the character and even have a writer on on uh, during production to say, hey, you know, we, we we might do some tweaks here and there because uh the 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 there's some style that the actors want to put in. Yeah, so basically this is how I how I work with different um actors. Only when the actors believe in the character, the the actor can perform in that way. Yeah, there's no power play about this. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think we have time for one more question and I'm going to take it. Okay, so we talked about power and I talked a bit about these characters like not knowing the true consequences of power. Now, on the opposite side of power is limitations. You know, mm. and I want to ask you in particular, boy, about this film. The vi- This film is extremely violent. But what I didn't notice is that it's not gratuitous. Whereas like, for instance, when someone is being harmed or being killed or whatever, you don't the camera doesn't linger on those kind of sequences, you know, like it's not about showing the ex, the violence itself, but the violence is, impl- is implied, you know, like we don't need to see someone's head get, like literally get visually smashed in to get the, imp- to get the idea that is happening. And mm. like, I am a huge fan of like action films, especially like Hong Kong action, mm. <laughs> like Taiwanese action and Chinese action, like they can get very graphic. And um, and like this film is, I would say it's graphic, but it's not gratuitous. So like gratuitous to me is where like it just goes over the line. And I'm just like, you're just like mm. being, this is just ridiculous now. And it doesn't, and it stops being enjoyable for me, but your film wasn't like that. So mm. for, and so the reason I mentioned it is because I want to ask you now as a director, when you're do- directing a film like this that has so much action and so much violence where do you how do you know when it's time to pull back and like the limits of the action that you want to show the limits of the violence and you say you know what this is as far as i'm willing to take it yep okay so so for for me how i process uh when when i edit a film uh i will edit everything as per script and then after that we will we will organize a lot of focus group for the fifth or the sixth edit and uh, I always believe that as a director when or, or the creator or the editor, uh, a lot of time we are so indulged in the story that we kept very blind. Uh, mm-hmm. And I make a very conscious effort that, hey, this film, when I make the film, I, I, I am making a film for an audience. So the audience got to also understand that, hey, uh, uh, it is okay or, or enough or, or not too much. 
At the same time, I also doesn't want the violence uh, at the back to be overwhelming that actually make the film lose its original essence at the beginning. So it's actually a lot of uh, um, exploration, modification, understanding, focus group to find a balance. Yeah, in the earlier cuts, I mean, I when I was doing it, my stunt director was definitely saying, oh, not enough, I got to have it uh, more... More, more violent and, and, and everything. I, I did have an earlier, more violent cut, but af, as, I, as I evaluate the project as a whole, I realized that, hey, maybe this violent take away the essence of the film. So, so through that, uh, we have to more, uh, moderate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very violent, but I think like the violence, it kind of like plays a part in the story itself because like this is a very gritty setting. This is a very gritty uh, part of the city and like these people are living um lives on the edges of the margins of society you know they're outcasts so what you would consider social outcasts so like they are they're they're gonna they're not gonna sit to debate you know like it's action first and possibly maybe ask questions later so i appreciate that lots of like and like, all the characters can be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for your time. I think we got to go already. Yeah, I think you're right yeah. to the edge. Thank you so much for talking with so me today. Enjoy speaking to so both much. of you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Same, same to you. Bye-bye. <laughs> so everyone, that was another episode of Karen and Tosson. Today I was joined by Singaporean director Boy Wong and actor Jason Ho to discuss their film Gelang which is a gritty action drama uh, with a little bit, I think, of like comedy, but it's not like ha-ha comedy. It's more in situational comedy, like things that happen. You're saying, what is happening? But I actually really enjoyed this film. It may not be for everyone, but that's okay. I personally liked it. And as I said, at the beginning, this, is, this was a platform in the 2023 New York Asian Film Festival. So you can find more about the film on the website. That's nyaff.org. And you can find, um, you'll, this is the audio for the podcast, of course. So you'll find the, the video on and you'll find the video for this interview and other interviews for New York Asian um, Film Festival as well as other film festivals and interviews I've been doing like for those for Africa, the African American Film Critics Association on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash sign Carolyn underscore Heinz, H-I-N-D-S. You can also find links on my YouTube. Twitter and Instagram page, that's at CarrieCNH12. And on my R3 page, that's AUTHORY.com slash Carolyn Hines, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-H-I-N-D-S. Um, there you'll find links to all of my interviews, all of my writing, all of my um, film analysis and um, coverage that I also did for the Busan International Film Festival, which is on kcrushmag.com. Um, that was for the Crush American Magazine Um and I had a blast covering two film festivals in South Korea for that earlier this year in April. But um, again, thanks so much to Boy and to Jason for joining me. And thanks so much to everyone who's been listening to all of my episodes of Caroline's Talks and to the other, my other podcasts. Here's what happened. Um, it's been a blast. This year has been also extremely hard. <laughs> it's not been my best year um, health-wise, but I've been enjoying what I've been able to do so far. And until the next episode of Caroline Talks, everyone, stay safe. Bye.